This episode was recorded prior to the beginning of the SAG's After Strike. We here at Square Horror are full supporters of both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, and we have been closely following the strikes, and we wish to follow the current SAG guidelines. We had both this episode and episode 100 already completely recorded and produced, and we'll be releasing those as scheduled. After episode 100, be aware that our programming may change from our original plans. We started during the pandemic three years ago, and now we will continue through the strikes, with hopefully the AMPTP coming to their senses soon to meet the writers and actors' negotiations. Until then, Square Horror proudly stands with both unions. Thank you to all the listeners out there, and remember to stay spooky. Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the man in the mask, master of ceremonies. We're talking another really good postmodern sequel, Danny, today. Yes. For episode 99 99. today, we are talking The Strangers Pray at Night. And we have The 2018 sequel. Man. We've saved this one for a while. We've wanted to cover it for a long time. We're finally doing so it. So long. And, man, I'm. It, it's really fitting that we're almost to a new chapter and we're, we're covering this movie because I feel like this was one of those movies that I remember seeing in theaters and thinking, bro, I think horror is, like, back. Like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah there have been a lot of movies coming up before, obviously, but it was one of the first times that I remember coming away from a movie, like, genuinely impressed when I, mm-hmm. when I didn't expect, I mean, it's not like I was expecting, you know, something bad, but I just really didn't expect what this movie ended up doing. And we were talking right before that, you know, in ter- terms of sequels, most of the postmodern ones we've covered so far have done something different than the original. And this one especially, because it almost changed the like, yeah, subgenres. This, will, this one really goes for it, because the original is a very slow burn, small cast... Um, like seventies style home yeah, invasion yeah. movie, it gives me a lot of like the vibes of the original when a stranger calls, absolutely, which is the one that's more intense than the uh, remake, which I love because I will always love that remake. Of course, um, yes. But then this one just comes out the gate swinging, first with its <laughs> cast because of course it's got a stacked ass cast, but For then real. with the very different take on the strangers themselves. And, I mean, it definitely should be mentioned that uh, the 70s kind of aesthetic of Home Invasion was also silence. And this movie (laughs) doesn't have that. It's always have... It always is underplayed by music. And there was a (laughs) lot of special attention when they made this movie, when they were conceptualizing what was going to be going on, especially when it comes to The Strangers, about yeah. adding music to the point that it's a character in the movie. I remember from even mm-hmm. the trailer for this movie, they had uh, Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now, and I'm like, this is just like an upbeat song, but for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it filled me with such dread because it was set to this movie where you know it was like, man, the strangers are actually like doing shit in this movie. They're not yeah. just standing outside staring at you. <laughs> They're not just sneaking mm-hmm. up on you anymore. 
Uh, and this movie, I do want to mention, because I always like to mention the production side of things. Yeah. This movie almost didn't get made, first of all. That's uh, true. <laughs> because uh, really early on after The Strangers, they were like, yeah, that was great. We're going to make a sequel called Strangers Part 2. And then they were like, hmm. Maybe that's maybe maybe people don't really want that. Maybe maybe there's not like the following to do a Strangers Part Two. But Universal's like, please give us a Strangers Part Two. And then they were like, eh. and then a couple years later they were like, yes, a sequel is gonna happen and it's gonna film later this year. And they're like, it's not it's not gonna happen right now. And at that point, Liv Tyler, star of the original Strangers, mm-hmm. was going to be in Part Two. And it was going to be released in 2014. Uh, and then that time came by and went away again. Um, we later found out that Liv Tyler was going to be killed in the opening scene of an earlier version of the script. Wow. Um, and then later on, shortly after the release of the original 47 Meters Down, mm-hmm. um, director Johannes Ro- Roberts um, was... Uh, having dinner with the producers of 47 Meters Down, and they're like, "Here, hey, we have a script for you to read called Pray at Night. Are, would would you want to read it? And he was like, well, I'll, I'll read it, see what I'm feeling. And he really liked the script, and he was like, okay, so could I, could I do that and like put my own little spin on things? And they were like, please. <laughs> we want this movie made so badly. Please do this. Right, and Johannes, of course, went on to direct, uh, well, I think he did both the 47 Years Down movies, but we just recently covered mm-hmm. Uncaged, um, so that's the sort of caliber, like, when we conceptualize this kind of, like, mini-series, this postmodern sequel, you know, Johannes is all over it because I feel like what he brings to uh, these quote-unquote franchises is kind of what should be the approach for any sort of new entry uh, be mm-hmm. it a requel or be it like just a, fa- a long overdue sequel for any horror movie where it's like you said, like he puts his stamp and his flavoring onto, um, I mean, what, so pray at night, was that a strangers quote unquote movie or was it just another movie that he's like, let's make this a strangers movie. Cause in either case, you know, he blended what was there and what could be and it ended up it- making something really that worked. Uh, it was the Strangers Pray at Night at that point because they had gone away okay. from the Part Two name, right? Because right. um, kind of like with Forty Seven Meters Down on Cage, it's a sequel in that it's the same, yeah, concept, it's the same concept, but it's but... not necessarily a direct sequel. And hundred percent, I, I want to put this up top now just because I feel like it was it might come up later, especially when we get into um, our uh, source in the mask, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the um, the strangers themselves for this movie are played... I mean, it doesn't really matter they're in masks, but they're played by different people than the original movies were. Uh, yes. The original movie was. And to that end, I feel like this being a sequel in concept, it stands to reason... Um, and we'll get into this more eventually with our Purge, our Purge series... But, like, who's to say that these are not the same people? These could be completely mm-hmm. different people. And to that end, maybe there's some, like, large underground, like, gang of these type of people that do this all over the place and use the same three masks to make it maybe seem like it's the same group of people. 
And I don't know, that concept, especially for what happens in this movie, seems so much more terrifying to have the Mm -hmm. strangers be this nebulous force that, like, you don't really know what they want other than chaos. Yeah. Well, like, later on we'll get into the the twist on the original twist, which I really like as a just simple (laughs) phrase changing. Um but I do also want to mention that I think it's very fascinating that Roberts directed this movie because he has come out and said, yeah, I'm not normally a fan of like slasher movies or home uh-huh. invasion movies. And then he was like, but I guess I did pretty well with putting the two together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that he said specifically uh, that, you know, he took inspiration from John Carpenter when it came, when it came to the slasher movies. And I feel mm-hmm. like when a lot of critics, and we'll, I guess we can talk about the fact that critics inexplicably the critics are movie. wrong about this movie. They're fucking <laughs> wrong about this movie. And they're usually wrong about slash movies because, I mean, I always point to Roger Ebert, famously shits all over the Friday the 13th franchise, which, like, maybe he's got a couple of points. But him mm-hmm. and every other film critic, when it comes to horror movies, they will glowingly review John Carpenter's Halloween as his, like, masterclass in, in at, at the time, modern slasher movies of the 70s slasher films which then took a sharp turn from Halloween. It was not the same. It kind of was a standout. And I feel like to use John Carpenter as your, you know, inspiration for a slash movie, even if you're kind of a professed, like, I don't really like this type of movie, it shows that you're already thinking of the source material in a higher regard mm-hmm. or a higher esteem. And in particular, because of John Carpenter's very famous use of music as a means to scare people in Halloween, that... Johannes was able to use music as a character itself by having it be, you know, like it was there. It was, it might as well be one of the strangers. And I totally see it in the evolution of the theme song. Like it, like Mm -hmm. the strangers pray at night theme kind of pops up throughout the movie and it's very carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. I also just really love the idea of, the strangers, at least this batch of them, loving 80s pop hits and using them to score their killings. Like, it, sh- mm-hmm. it shows such, like, a scary, uh, like, comparison of feeling and disconnect, like, from humanity. Like, there's just something about playing, like, I always think about, like, Rick Astley. Like, playing Rick Astley at a bone-crushing volume while you're being, like, murdered in your home. I don't know why I... Okay, I need you to know that that's gonna drive me nuts tomorrow at the show, because (laughs) Never Gonna Give You Up is in our pre-show playlist, and now I'm gonna think about getting murdered during it. Well, very specific, I I have the song Together Forever. Something about that always seems... I feel like the difference, especially, like, with the songs in The Strangers, Pray at Night, it's always specifically, like love ballads or like 80s pop ballads that like if you look at with a slightly different context the song is very scary like take yeah i think we're alone now like it's not a scary song it's a very positive upbeat song and then you think about it with the strangers and you're like oh shit that's kind of fucked up <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. i've sent you my playlist before right songs i let the strangers kill me to yes okay i fucking love it <laughs> I have a song, I ha- literally have a playlist that I was like, it's those type of songs, and every single one of them, I'm like, yeah, I could see the man in the mask, like, breaking a door down with an axe, or, like, pin up stabbing somebody in a bathroom, and it's just that type of vibe, um, mm-hmm. and it's weird, I don't know, out of context, the songs seem very harmless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So 
So, okay. shall we get is into it, this movie, Matt? Is it Matt? time to pray at night? I, I think it's time to, to find our prey this night. Fuck. But um, sh- uh, Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, ten years after the events of the first film, um, we open on a trailer park in Kalita, Ohio, which I did my due diligence and looked how far away that is. That is a good three hours away from where I'm staying in Ohio, so I'm feeling Everything pretty safe right now. Everything in Ohio seems to be inexplicably three hours away from anything else in Ohio. It's a tiny <laughs> state. How is everything so I, far? I, I truly don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't a, get it's it. fascinating. It's like a void in space. The time just extends as you're driving yeah. through it. <laughs> um, so uh, there's, there's a couple in this trailer, um, and the woman of the couple wakes up to someone knocking at the front door. And we've seen this this dog and pony show before. But mm-hmm. it's usually not this early. No, it doesn't normally start things off. Right. Um, and as we hear the knock at the door and the woman walks up to it, we notice uh, some hair in shadow behind her. So they're already inside. Bad sign. Not not a good way to start off if you're that woman trying to answer the door and looking right. at the fact that there's no one in that truck. Nobody's there. Right, and that tra- thick pickup truck seems pretty familiar from the end of the last movie, too. Mm-hmm. So we know their strategy, tech, usually, is you know knocking on the door, seeing if people are home. But as she goes to lay down next to this guy, like... They're already in the trailer. Like, they already found a way in, you know? Like, before yeah. they even did this. Which is so freaking creepy. Um, so, yeah. So, um, the woman does not make it. And then uh, Dollface ends up lying in bed with the man. God. This After having, like, creepily dude. stroked the dog with her hand. Well, and the dog like, was like... These people are not okay. Something's going on here. But the dog was asleep. The dog does not give a shit. <laughs> Terrible guard dog. Yeah, he sucks. He should be fired. <laughs> but a, a needs, cold he... open kill for a Strangers movie, I feel like it, it sets the tone immediately because it does what the last movie did in like an hour and a half in about two mm-hmm. and a half minutes. Yeah. And only showing one of the Strangers in that. Right. Because, again, it's, you know, we're lucky that it's just three of them. But there could be any number of them at any given time. There could time. be an army of them. There, That's what I'm saying. There could be an army of them. They could be everywhere. They could be in every city in America. <sighs> and they could just be people, that, like in Hellfest. That's what I'm saying. That's the scariest part of The Strangers, especially if that's, like, the truth of what their deal is. That they're just people that, like, meet up... Once a year, on Labor Day weekend, they get masked and they just pick a random house and they murder everybody inside and then they go right back to their lives. That's fucking mm-hmm. terrifying to me. And that's yeah, what I, I think like is the scary part about The Purge. is like, that your neighbors could just do that. And you're like, okay, um, they're still, I still see them in church and they seem fine. Yeah. Even though they <laughs> drove a flaming pickup truck at a 16-year-old girl last night. Jesus. Speaking of things that give me the chills, uh, the title music is uh, very scary. Yes. 
So now we're going to meet uh, our favorite family. Um, it's one of my favorite horror movie families. Um, and it's larger than just the couple that we've seen so far. So the first movie we yeah, had Yeah, this time we double people. down. Right. There's four people, and they're all of at least an age that would be able to maybe fight back. You know, these are teenage mm-hmm. children, relatively young, middle-aged parents. Um, you know, I, then they all... I mean, they don't get along, but at the very least, the family seems like it probably could pull it together. They they love each other enough to, like, stick together through hard times. Right, right. And let me just... Danny, we're professional, but I have to to say this to be honest for the record, because we are uh, transparent on this show. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Christina Hendricks is, is oh, really okay. hot, and uh, <laughs> the dad is very hot too, and the whole family is just like on the nicer looking side of the spectrum, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm. It doesn't hurt. Um, us wanting to them to root not for die. them, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it just kind of it doesn't hurt the chances of of me rooting for them. Uh, but you know, Christina Hendricks is you know. I wrote in my notes in italics just because I needed to be honest again. Matt has a crush on yet another attractive woman from Mad Men. Are we surprised at his type <laughs> at this point? <laughs> so yes, Christina Hendricks, who you may know from Mad Men, or for some really intense theater folks, may recognize from uh, the Company concert with Neil Patrick oh, wow. Harris and Stephen Colbert. Wow. That was a I- stacked cast for no reason. That's pretty sick. I didn't know that she did Broadway, too. Yeah, I didn't until I saw her in that, and I was like, wait a minute, that's fucking rad. I remember a couple, it was either maybe before this movie came out, but I remember seeing this movie Fist Fight with Ice Cube and Charlie Day from Always Sunny, and Christina yes. Hendricks is in that, too. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, man. Uh, the dad, the actor's name I always forget, but he's, uh, uh Martin Henderson. Him. Right. He was in The Ring. We've covered that before. Um, I think he's shown up a couple of times too. Uh, yeah. So he's also, um, been, uh, if those people who know, oh no, never mind. That's Bride and Prejudice. That's a, that's <laughs> something I didn't know happened. Um, but probably <laughs> most recently, <laughs> uh, we talked about him in X. Yes. Yeah, he was the uh, the producer, the porn producer in X. It also mm-hmm. looks like he's a pretty significant role in some of the mid to mid twenty ten seasons of Grey's Anatomy, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Again, he's a very handsome man. Uh, he and- also played uh, Britney Spears' boyfriend in the Toxic music video from two thousand three. <laughs> That's like one of his top credits, <laughs> even <laughs> still now. <laughs> Honestly, as it should be. <laughs> right, right. You're it's never like, living um, that down. I always want it, like, every time we, like, if we ever do um, Infinity Pool, I just watched Infinity Pool with Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth mm-hmm. from Axe the other day, and I was just thinking, like, man, Alexander Skarsgård was Lady Gaga's boyfriend in the paparazzi music video, and that was, like, one of the first things he ever did. <laughs> also, I want to appreciate that, um... In Martin Henderson's Wikipedia page, his personal life section is approximately one sentence long, and let me read it for you all right now. Okay. It is just, as of 2017, he lives in Los Angeles with his dog. Oh, That's it for his personal life. He's single, ladies and gentlemen. 
He is single and a dog owner as yeah, of six and years ago. Dog <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so Hot Couple has two teenage children, um, Luke and Kinsey. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kinsey is an artsy, edgy teenager who's got some clear issues with authority and seems to run with a bad crowd, but they do a very good job at... So now she's going to boarding school. Right, but like, what'd she do? Why is she being sent to boarding school? I just finished the second season of Chucky, and it seems like every time in horror kids are (laughs) sent to boarding schools, it's because of some unspeakably horrible thing. It's either some horrible thing, or it's not their fault. That's the two sides of the coin. Danny, this may be uh, this may be the hormones talking, but at least the way that she described her friends not getting in trouble, why did my mind go like gay? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They don't say anything. It's like I have to fill in the space with something. <laughs> <laughs> but for those listeners out there who haven't seen this, um, Kinsley is played by uh, Bailey Madison, who um, basically started her career with uh, Bridge to Terabithia back in 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, I recognize her from a really short stint on uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, where the youngest brother got turned into a, like, magically got turned into a girl for a couple episodes. <laughs> and they had to call her Maxine. <laughs> that is all I remember about that fucking show. <laughs> and oh I don't God. know why it happened. I don't know how it happened, but I just remember that it happened. There's a TikTok audio going around, and I'm gonna butcher it, but it's the it's some line from that show, and I haven't seen it, so I don't have much context. But it seems to be like baby's first supernatural. Like, the mm-hmm. show Supernatural, there's all these, like, different things that are going on. And it's some kid being like, I, I don't know why this kid got in trouble, but it's like, it's because he's a goblin. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> he's a goblin, but he's still into me, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. Yeah, that show was wild from the little, like, few episodes I've seen of it. It's truly baffling. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then, <laughs> uh, playing Luke, we have uh, Lewis Pullman, yeah. um, who recently was in uh, Top Gun Maverick last Yeah, he's year. been taken off lately. Like, after this movie, I started seeing him in a lot more stuff, and I was like, damn kid from Strangers Pray at Night, hell yeah. And he is lined up to play Ben Mears in the upcoming Salem's Lot remake. Yes, that is very cool. He did that movie, um, like... Bad times at the El something at the El Royale, yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was really good in that one. Yeah, man, he's killing it. I'm, it it's really cool that you know when we talk about stack casts and horror movies, there's unexpected casts. We just love seeing it where like everybody in the movie is in something that like we've seen or already covered because it mm-hmm. just kind of speaks to like okay, this is the kind of quality we're setting the bar for, uh, just for the rest of this movie. Well, and since we're already on it, I feel like we should also mention our actors behind the masks. Yes, let's talk um, about it. So I'll let you cover the man in the mask first. Oh man! So yeah, uh, so the man in the mask. So we, you know, we have the two, the three strangers. Uh, there's the two female ones that have the like the doll face pinup masks, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a man in a burlap sack mask. Um, 
you know, his name is uh, very unremarkably the man in the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, in this movie, he's played by uh, actor Damien Fay, who has uh, friend of the promo. podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast. We've covered him multiple times uh, with uh, Haunt. Um, we will someday cover him with Wrong Turn. Wrong um, Turn 2021. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And, you know, we're very glad that we can kind of cover him extensively on this one because this was the movie that, like, I first kind of saw him in. And uh, it started to be one of those things, you know, like a lot of various people in horror, like that are kind of pulp, fi- the cult figures within the, the scene uh, tend to be people that play characters that don't speak or that wear masks. And you usually don't know that they're there. Uh, like mm-hmm. Kane Hodder, uh, very famously, Robert England, people like yes. that. And Damien's kind of become that, at least for, for us on the podcast, just because he seems to pop up all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. And when we covered Haunt, uh, we also covered Cheney Morrow, uh, who's uh, like a he's like another Damien Maffei where he's in a bunch of movies. Again, also Wrong Turn. He was the ghost yeah. in Haunt. He is also a friend of the podcast as well. So we are big stands for our friends underneath the masks and behind the makeup. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a really cool part to play. I would expect if I was has ever lucky enough. Um, because it always just seems like they just cast the most normal people to play these characters, and they always are yeah. the scariest people ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember the story when they found uh, when they cast Gunnar Hansen to play uh, Texas the, in uh, Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was just Toby mm-hmm. Hooper going into his deli and asking the big dude from Iceland, like, "Hey, um." you're big and scary looking. <laughs> Do you want to be yeah. in this movie? And I don't know. I feel like I, I got mad respects. We've got mad respect for Damien. Um, we were lucky enough to get in contact with him. So we will be having, we have had uh, some questions that y- you and I, Danny uh, posed mm-hmm. to uh, our source in the mask. Um, yes. And he, he's currently right now doing a lot of press for the upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game, which he is mm-hmm. in. Uh, so we gotta Ooh. play. We gotta open up our uh, game series backs. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah. So um, at some point he will uh, be chiming in a bit. Um, maybe not on this episode, but in an upcoming bonus episode. But yes, we are fans of Mr. Maffei, and uh, mm-hmm. we appreciate his support. Um, so yeah, we love uh, our other characters in the masks too. Who are the ladies? Um, so we have the doll face uh, is played by. Uh, Emma Bellamy, I believe is how you pronounce her name, which this seems to be her biggest credit to this point. Um, She's been in a few other projects. Um, The one that sticks out the most to me by title alone is called um, Killer Babes and the Frightening Film Fiasco, which I have no idea what it's about, but I'm intrigued by. Um, (laughs) She's also (laughs) been in a few short films uh, like The Case of the Missing Keys and Mamu. Okay, um, and then under the mask for uh, pinup is actually yeah. the uh, originally just cast as the stunt double for pinup, and then when the actress who was originally cast for the full length um, pinup was like, "Hey, I'm getting really claustrophobic under the mask," yeah. they ended up um, moving. Um, Leah Enslin, who's the stunt performer, up to full credit as pinup. Yeah, um, she, she's, she is. Uh, she's one she's of those a stunt lovely performers. stunt performer. Yeah, like 
we always get stunt performers that invariably end up under the mask. Like, I remember Hellfest, like, that guy had been in, mm-hmm. like, 50 movies, like, doing different stunt, like, Marvel movies. Um, yeah. So we just love when they get stunt performers to do this because it's like, I mean, it doesn't really matter what they look like. I mean, and at least they can do the work. Yeah. Well, and um, Leah is a very uh, well-respected stunt performer and specifically stunt driver, Yes. Um, she's done stunt driving for a lot of different projects, including um, 2017's Gerald's Game, yeah. and uh, most recently the Gotham Knights TV series. Yeah, um, she's done, and a bunch in Ozark for a couple episodes as well. Oh yeah, she's done a bunch of work on uh, The Walking Dead as well. She does, you know, a lot of stunt double performances. Uh, Doom Patrol mm-hmm. 2, and we definitely got to talk about the fact that she was in both Breaking Dawn movies as well. Yes! <laughs> yes! Because it, it all comes, comes back, back to Twilight! I'm so glad that we have that now as a touchstone, because so many people have ended up being in the oh other stuff we've my covered. god! <laughs> like, every other I did not realize like <laughs> there was so much Twilight out there. Yeah, man. Welcome to the fucking world, man. We're on the right side of history here, clearly. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, uh, so, at least on the family's part, I feel like mm-hmm. the actors are... They bring the A-game when it comes to establishing the family dynamic. Um, aside from how attractive everybody is, everybody is very realistic and grounded, at least when it comes to who they are within their family and their relationships yes. with every other person within their family unit. It tells us a lot about them without it feeling like a big exposition dump. Like, oh, this well, is our bad all... kid, you know? Yeah, and they all have, like, very realistic interactions with each other. Like, there's a really right. nice scene later on between Luke and Kinsley where it feels like siblings talking to each other in a life-or-death situation. And they have, like, a goofy moment... Together joking about their parents yeah <laughs> like that is real I, that's one of my and, like the scenes. parents have a moment where they're just like god what what's happening like <laughs> life is so fucking weird this yeah, might as yeah. well happen today well and i mean as they're you know they've they they're taking kinsey to this like reform school somewhere and mm-hmm. it's a bit of a drive so their plan is to drive you know into well they the decide night. that uh, the night before um, she has to leave for boarding school, they're going to go spend their time yes. together at the trailer park that their uh, aunt and uncle own or, yeah. or live in. Uh, and so they're like, like it'll be one last time for like the family to get together before this big change happens for us all. Right. So like on the way to this campground, you know, we get a bit more of the exposition piece, again, without any real details, which, again, I'm a lie. I have to fill in the details with something. But Mom goes out to talk to Kinsey after she storms off because she's 16 and has an attitude, uh, mm-hmm. which means she loves smoking cigarettes the wrong way and giving people the finger instead of telling anybody what she's doing. <laughs> uh, but Mom gets it, man. Uh, she she sits out there and she's like, I wish somebody had done this for me because, you know, she's like, you know, I've fucked up, too. I made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's on the, Kinsey is on this trip that she's like, this is, you know, like, she's not a part of this family that belongs. She feels like, you know, oh, I wasn't planned or some bullshit. Um, but right now it really, she at least strikes me as a type where, like, she's not even really sure what she feels or who she is. You know, she's kind of just lashing out 
to add anything. Uh, mm-hmm. But on on the on downside for that, it's not really giving me a whole lot to validate or to understand her behavior. So I remember the first couple times I watched this, I was like, I kind of don't like Kinsey very much. But it really isn't until yeah. the second half when you really see that she's like, she's just masking how terrified she is about the world very well. And it's not really yeah. until shit hits the fan that she's like, I, I have no idea of how to cope with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and about at this point, um, Luke and Kinsey decide they're just going to go out for a walk while um, Mike and Cindy just kind of hang out at the trailer. And then oh, they shit, get a well, knock no, at the door. We, we gotta talk about the fact that uh, like, the trailer park is, like, creepy as fuck. Bro. <laughs> like, there's fog. So it's so dark. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, there's dim streetlights. There's, like, no moonlight. It's, like, just a very I couldn't creepy. live there. I couldn't no, do scary. it. it's scary. Like, it just screams that everybody there is dead. Like, it, <laughs> it feels like living in a graveyard. Seriously. It has that energy. And you know there's nobody there because the type of people that would live there year-round have guns, and as soon as they see a creepy-ass doll face person lurking in the <laughs> playground, they're shooting Fuck her. that, fuck that. Yeah, yeah they're fuck that dead. <laughs> um, but, like, when they stop at that main office, you know, to find out, like, where they're supposed to go... That's right. Uh, you know, Mom finds this note from Uncle Marvin uh, telling them where to stay, and si- the handwriting is just so scary and childish, mm-hmm. and there's a very unsettling smiley face. Like, I've got the, you said the poster up in the studio, but like, it's something about putting circles for eyes and a smiley face. It just really makes it scary. They're supposed to be dots. They're supposed right. to be dots. I'm going to say it. Right. Like, only a psychopath is the other way. <laughs> but it's like, when I, you know. When I saw... have kids one day, they will know that it is dots and eyes for smiley faces, not circles. We are a tolerant household, but you better not draw shit creepy because I'm not a Because I'll, I'll freak out. Right. Not at anybody, but I'll be scared by right. you. <laughs> so, at the very least, I mean, it can be deduced, you know, Uncle Marvin and Aunt, let's say Wendy, uh, were in the cold open kill, so we can, we're pretty Cheryl. confident that Aunt something's Cheryl. up with the Aunt Cheryl. Um, <laughs> but if the strangers wrote that letter, which it seems like they might, now they know where they're at. They know out mm-hmm. of all of these various trailers, they know where the that's people the that one are, you know right so they can plan out how to fuck with them um, yeah they can plan their attack also inside the trailer like the chi- there's chinese food in the fridge like somebody's been living there somebody's been there for a while which makes me think is that chinese food theirs and by that logic like did they get it delivered and did they, like, I want to see that. I want to see them ordering Chinese food. No, I would believe, because again, they're just people. I believe that, like, man in the mask just took his mask off and took his truck into town to pick up some Chinese food and then brought it back. And they ate it in silence. <laughs> With nothing but, like, distant 80s music playing from the truck. Yeah, they're playing uh, fucking Kate Bush in the kitchen while they're just eating in silence on the floor. <laughs> And they kept, <laughs> they kept their leftovers in the fridge because they're like, well, I'll be hungry after this is all done. Because they know. Yeah, they got it because I feel like it's you, smart. You work up like, an appetite killing people, I can imagine. Yeah, when you're stalking people, you got to take snack breaks. So you just got to go back into the house where nobody's there. You eat a little bit and you go right back out. 
Well, and it's Chinese food, so you're going to be hungry again in a couple hours anyway. Exactly. Like, you, I would imagine <laughs> they have a lot of running around in the dark to do, and that works up an appetite. <laughs> I don't know. These are the questions that we asked Damien, by the way. Like, we didn't ask them smart questions. At least I didn't. I was like, what do you think they ordered? Is it your Chinese food? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so right as the family is very awkwardly settling into an evening together, uh, they get a knock at the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is an unmasked person who's still in silhouetted shadow. Cause right, because they knocked out the porch light. Like, they just unscrewed mm-hmm. the, the bulb so they could be even scarier. Yeah, of course. And again, you see the blonde hair, and just here, is Tamra home? And Cindy's like, nope, and shuts the door. <laughs> well, it was freaking, I don't know why it was so much creepier, but when she was like, no, you got the wrong house, there's just silence, and then she goes, okay, and then leaves. And, and then, like, yeah, I can't remember if this is the time she walks away or she runs away. Either way, don't like that. Well, I think it's the second time, because the second time she comes up, they watch her just kind of walk into the woods, and they're like, what the fuck was that about? Um, But (laughs) this is around the time that I think, at least on the family dynamic end, that, like, this was the time I watched it where I'm like, I think the more I watch this movie, the parents probably could be doing more for their kids. Because it seems Mm -hmm. like the kids' reactions... um, so, like, you know, the general shittiness that they put out when they're in the trailer all together. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like they aren't used to these type of, like, rule adherences. So, like, putting down your phones and all that stuff. And these they seem a little old to, like, be resentful of that. So, mm-hmm. to me, that suggests that mom and dad aren't very much for disciplinarians, and they might even have enabled their kids' bad behavior. Well, so, yeah, like, that's why, th- that's why they have to send the daughter to boarding school, because they don't know how to parent strongly yeah, that's, enough that's to the get thing, the, is like, the things to stick. Because that even might have been, like, Kinsey's whole deal, which is, like, maybe if I act up or do something, they'll finally intervene and, like, discipline They'll me. notice me. And then they're just like, nah, ship her off, we can't deal with it. And it's like, mm-hmm. she's mad at them, because she's like, I want you to be my fucking parents and, and deal with me. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I can see her point there, because she's, like, desperately, maybe pathetically, calling out for structure or intervention and they're just kind of like, hey, can you be good? Thanks. Yeah, hey, can you stop that? Cool. Yeah, we're going to go make out in the kitchen because we're young and hot still. We're going to not parent you. Yeah. <laughs> they do that. I'm not just projecting. <laughs> I know. It's, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're at the point where they start splitting up, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, Luke and Kinsley go out for a walk, and they're just like, we're just going to take a look about the scenery. And uh, Mike and Cindy hang out and uh, spend some time together. Spend some time together. Yeah. (laughs) And it's at around this time when Luke and Kinsey are going out and walking about that they notice there's a trailer with a door wide open. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like a good sign. Nah, man. Best case scenario, somebody just forgot to shut their door. Worst case scenario... There's some fucked up shit inside. Yeah. And unlucky for Luke and Kinsey, there's some fucked up shit inside. There's some pretty fucked up shit in there. But I feel like 
the lead in to this bit being one of the more one of the first big scares of the movie is like it's right after a moment of like big character growth too. So like Luke mm-hmm. has gone out to like find his sister and he finds her smoking, you know, she's calling for help obviously. And he's mm-hmm. trying to encourage her to look on the bright side. He's like, Hey, I know that like, I don't know what you're expecting, but like you get to leave, you get a fresh start. You can be whoever you want to be. Um, and I don't know. It, they start to kind of have a mutual grunt. Cause then they start talking about like the past and they get along a little bit better and all mm-hmm. of that emotionality, especially right before the scene, is undercut by um, Pinup is just standing in the playground in the shadows, and I'm like, that's fucking so scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they find this house that's just full of unspeakable horrors. Yeah, it's got hello written a bunch of times on the window, and then uh, a dog jump scares them out and runs away before mm-hmm. they find their aunt and uncle dead under the covers. And they're not just dead, Danny. They've been tortured extensively. They're brutilated. Yeah, they... It, it, they. Whew, that was not a good time for them, I'm sure. No. No, Which, no, again, no, no, no. speaks to, like, the stranger's level of sadism. Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't do this just to kill you quickly, you know? Like, they. that's part of it for them, is it's not going to be a peaceful death. You know, when they yeah. do break in and, and kill you. Um, so while the kids get freaked out and they go to book it back, um, you know, Pinup went back to the trailer, knocked again. Uh, the parents mm-hmm. see her just this time walk into like, the forest. I'm unnerved and we need to go find our fucking kids. Yeah, like now those parent instincts kick in and they're like, we should find the kid. I don't know what that girl's deal was, but this is this is maybe not right. I don't want them um, out while she's out, because this is not a recipe for good things. Yeah, yeah. And, I don't know, it's like, the trailer park setup is it works, especially for a slasher thing like this, because the kids are trying to find their way back, and everything looks the same. It's mm-hmm. it's night, they don't know really where they're, where they're at. Yeah. Parents is the same deal. So, there's a really good maze setup. It's very easy to get lost, and it's perfect hunting grounds for the three of them who maybe know kind of where hiding spaces might be. And they've got that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when they do manage to find each other, uh, Luke's like, hey, uh, there's some fucked up shit we got to show you guys. And Mike is like, okay, I'll go with Luke. Cindy, you and Kinsey go back to the trailer. You, you'll be safe there. Little right. does he know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get the girls back to the trailer and call the police. Us men will go investigate. But too bad their phones have been sabotaged, pinups inside, and she's armed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the cell phones are smashed and not usable, and Dollface walks out and brandishes a kitchen yeah. knife. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, even though they're just people, they're just people in masks... Something mm-hmm. about them is so scary. Like, the fact that it's happening to you. So, like, y- you still have to kind of process that this is real. You know, that someone mm-hmm. wearing this mask, this, like, very long-haired, like, ethereally movable. Like, she's moving very slowly. And, like, she's embodying this, like, other persona. And mm-hmm. it's just, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. The way that they're able to command presence by just staring at people. And, you know, she chases them into this bathroom. And I know that it's just, like, 
you know, at best a 26 year old woman. She's not just not mm-hmm. like superhuman strength or anything, but like, yeah. it's so much more scary to be stuck in a bathroom when you, you know that that's what's coming for you. Well, and that you know that there's only like a f- pretty thin door in between you and death. Right. Like it's not much. <laughs> no. Oh. And the claustrophobia that they have of, you know, being in a, the trailer, the bathroom has the atop, like, f- escape hatch. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that perfect, like, you know, tension of, like, trying to climb out of there as she's breaking in. And, uh, you know, Dollface has put on tunes at this point. She she put music yep. on outside, which I thought was key. I'm like, they always got to do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it's man. like one of those bad signs in uh, movies that they can joke about. Like, <laughs> if you're in a scream movie and Sam Carpenter is just in a tank top, you're fucked. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're with the strangers and they turn on music, it's over, buddy. It's yeah, you're not it's that like, guy, pal. <laughs> yeah, like if they were in like Dead by Daylight, like as soon as like Rick Astley, I mean, just again use Rick Astley starts playing, you're like, oh fuck, they're in the field. Where are they? It's like. <laughs> yeah, it's like Charlie's in the trees. Like, where are they? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's so like you know, Kinsey is able to climb out. Mom insisted that she go first. So as she's mm-hmm. kind of trying to push her out, uh, Dollface breaks in, and it's always really stuck with me the way that she like lays her head on her shoulder from behind mm-hmm. to like again savor like you are so fucked before she stabs her to death. Yeah. And that she's looking up at Kinsey the whole time as she's watching her mom get murdered. Like, Dollface is using that to get to her. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's some, like, mental trauma. That's some emotional damage right there. That's that's what makes these guys so scary to me, is that it's just at every turn, they never cease to just be so evil. Bastards. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, we'll get to the the man in the mask scene later, but, like, that's just, like, the most, like, pathetic, like, position that he could have possibly put you in. Yeah. Um, and speaking Uh, of which, the boys, uh, find the answering machine back at, uh, Uncle mm -hmm. Marm's, uh, trailer, um, Mm -hmm. that kind of tells them that the strangers who had killed them knew that there would be more people coming, um, yeah. <clears throat> and they begin to be terrorized by our man in the mask who stands outside with an axe. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though that seems not feasible, they found a gun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this uh. is the second time in the franchise that, like, they provide, like, ooh, there's a gun, but just because there's a gun it doesn't mean anything because it's like, do you even know how to use a gun? Yeah. It's not Chekhov's gun yet. Right. Because, I mean, it's, it's legit. Like, you know, if you... They did it in the first movie, too. It was like they had a shotgun. This movie, they got a revolver. It's like guns that aren't just super easy to use. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't know guns, like, there's no... You know, there's no promise you can use it. Well, yeah, there's no there's not really time for a bench test here. You gotta you, you make <laughs> or break right there. Yeah, this, this is... We're learning on the job right now. Uh, and so they... Uh, Luke and Mike do manage to get around the man in the mask because they have a gun and they get back to the trailer and they don't see Kinsey, but they do see that Cindy's dead. Yeah. 
and it looks like Dollface has made up the crime scene to extra fuck with people when they found her by putting bloody handprints all over the walls. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Which it's is... a scary fucking sight, especially for them to play it realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they decide that they need to find Kinsey, so they take the minivan and they start driving around. Yeah, <laughs> this shit is so funny. Because, <laughs> like, so the Kinsey is, is on her own at this point. She's got that really creepy shot of her running into, like, the the boundary fence of the, the complex. Uh, which you and don't see, see over the her fence shoulder. until it comes into, fr- into focus, which I love. I think that's so cool. Right, and in the same shot, we don't see until later that's over her sholler from behind her, you know... It, Dollface materializes out of the darkness as mm-hmm. she's catching up to her, and it's just such a fucking creepy shot too. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, the man of the mask has taken to driving. Um, he's chasing her around as well. They corner her in some tubes um, for the best jump scare uh. of the movie. That unfortunately the trailer spoils. Um, yeah, so if you like, haven't seen the trailer for this movie, don't. Yeah, just watch don't. the movie. Watch the movie first. Um, but I really do love that as... I don't remember the song. I had them all written down, but the song... He's jamming in the in the, in mm-hmm. the truck as he's chasing her. But yeah, uh, yeah. so we finally see the third of the killers in the, in the tube. So now at least Kinsey knows that there's at least three. Three of um, them. So she's outnumbered at this point. Their family of four is now at least matched, if not outnumbered, because she doesn't know where her boys are. Mm-hmm. And we find out where the boys are because the man in the mask evidently got out of his truck and yeah. threw a cinder block at the windshield of the minivan, <laughs> it's just which like makes them s- crash. It's such, like, a simple... Like, I feel like he sat there and he threw the cinder block, and when they crashed into that that trailer he's probably like holy shit that worked <laughs> i can't believe it yeah because not uh, only does he crash works... them yeah he, he yeah. fucking impales dad yeah dad gets impaled on like a wooden plank that came out of a, a trailer yeah like a um, fence post or some crap that they had put up um and then Dad's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm gonna die here. So uh, here's the <laughs> this gun. Is game over. <laughs> um, go right. find Kinsey. Go find your sister." Right. So I mean, Luke takes that pretty well. Um, but you know, now Man of the Mask has to come in and finish the job. And um, God, he just loves to get in close for the kill, doesn't he? Yeah, because he gets in and turns on the radio as the strangers are like to do, I guess. And he's like and going through stations. Ice pick to finish the job. It's just such an evil way too, because he sits down for a second in silence. Dad's like, you know, like, what do you want? What do you want? He's not even giving. He's not even looking at him yet, really. And he's just going through the radio station, trying to find the perfect tune to kill to, and then just bringing the ice pick out, showing it to him, and then just very slowly just stabbing him in the throat. And then just mm-hmm. sitting there as he bleeds to death, and then turning the radio off, and then going right back to business. Yeah, just just feeling the moment there. Yeah, man, I, I, it's it's a really spooky vibe, especially just from like you he's not even, you don't even hear him breathing heavily. Mm-hmm. It's just no, like he's silence. just chill. Mm-hmm. Yep, just breathing normal, no worries, 
Not a worry in the world. So, Kinsey, uh, I think it's weird. This part kind of freaks me. So, like, she goes into another trailer and finds Dollface, like, hiding in a bedroom. Yeah, so she finds this fucking, um, uh, fuck, what's it called? It's like uh, a jack-in-the-box jack in or something. Yeah, it's like a really she creepy She finds a jack-in-the-box, and then as she's, like, looking at this weird-ass jack-in-the-box, behind her, again, in the shadows, Dollface takes a blanket off Yeah, like, and where the fuck? Her. <laughs> yeah. Why like, are you getting... there? Yeah, like, whoa. Like, what a fucking creepy... <laughs> like, she just picked her, and she's like, dude, I was sitting here to, like, take a bathroom break, but now I gotta hide. I was trying to take a nap. Trailer. Right. <laughs> Um, I've already yeah, killed I mean, one. I thought I'd give the others a chance. So, like, Delvis, like, has the drop on her, because, like, she's, you know, really cutting her up pretty well, and mm-hmm. Luke manages to come in with the gun, and he just doesn't have it in him to shoot her, and yeah. it kind of amuses her. Like, she kind of laughs at him, and even mm-hmm. drops her knife to kind of twist the metaphorical blade of, like, you don't have it in you, but to me, like, it's so fucking easy. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, man. She killed your mom. Just blow her away. <laughs> and Kate McKinsey's yeah, like, give me the gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very much like in um, Sweeney Todd when Anthony's like, yeah, I can't, I can't shoot. I can't shoot him. I can't do it. And Joanna takes the gun and says, fuck it. I'll do it. Fucking pussy. Somebody's gotta, <laughs> somebody's gotta pull the trigger sometimes. Yeah, man. <laughs> you just gotta But do instead, it. they go to another trailer, and they uh, bandage Kinsey's wounds up, and they have this re- really nice moment where they're talking about, like, how their parents would have reacted to everything going on. Like, you got stabbed, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, um, yeah. And they have this really nice moment, as if their parents hadn't just died in front of both of them. Yeah. Um, and then, another great jump scare, the fucking truck rams through the trailer wall. Yeah, which also I, takes I mean, the gun out of commission, because Luke had put it on a table while he attended to the uh, the wounds. Yeah, so now well, it's fucking point, in the debris. Right, because it was very difficult at that point to run, because, you know, Kinsey had been, like, stabbed in the leg, she was losing mm-hmm. blood from her defensive wounds... So, like, their strategy for at least a bit was to hide, because they're outnumbered, and at least one of them is very seriously injured. So, yeah. at least, like, he Luke is able to tourniquet her leg, he takes care of her arm, and, I mean, aside from the lack of killer instinct, Luke's not bad in a crisis. So, like, mm-hmm. this, I mean, even for, like, the lack of parental oversight, like, both of these kids do pretty well, given the circumstances, yeah. And then, yeah, like, the man of the mask comes in, like, can I park here? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, man, using a, a truck, uh, as a weapon. Like, this movie makes a really good use of a car as a weapon. Like, I really like when mm-hmm. movies are able to do that pretty well. Um, and we'll see a lot more of it later. Um, yeah. but, like, the truck is deceptively one of their better weapons. Because, like, it's got that battering ram potential. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and so, they have to run away. And um, Luke hides Kinsey under a porch for safety um, while he goes to the general store to try to get help. And I found out that there was a cut scene that originally was in, I think, the script. I don't know if they actually shot it or not. 
But there was a scene while Kinsey was under the porch that the man in the mask found her. Um, She escaped to a different uh, hiding under a different porch. And the man in the mask pretended to not know where she was until he like peed right by where she was to let her know that he knew where she was. Ooh, shit. And, like, that's fucking terrifying. That is really scary. And, what? A, again, another asshole move about, like, yeah. I can do whatever I want. Well, and, again, I'm sure it's just the man in the mask being like, well, shit, I gotta pee. How am I gonna make this creepy? Because like, there's the thing. people like, here to torment. They have to have radios. Like, they have to be communicating somehow. Somehow. And there is, most of their night is spent by themselves in the woods, like, mm-hmm. hoping that they know where these people are. Because it's gotta be so boring. And yeah, they're hungry, they gotta take bathroom breaks. They gotta stay <laughs> hydrated. I mean, and yeah, they gotta Hydrate communicate. Hydrate, man. For real, man. I mean, remember in, uh, what's it called? Um, Behind the Mask, they talk about, like, he's like, man, I got yes. so much cardio to do to make it look like I'm walking everywhere. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Luke goes. Sorry. No, yeah, man, we're getting to like one of the, one of the, I think the best visual scenes in the movie where Luke is mm-hmm. able to try to get to into the office to find a landline to call for help. Hmm. Um. And he very quickly realizes that he's not alone in there. Uh, no. So man. he runs out to the swimming pool, uh, with Pinup Girl in tow. And he, yeah, well, when his fight or like, flight finally takes it, fight rather than flight. Because, like, they had that really cool, like, shot of, like, he turned on, he did or they did, they turned on the, like, lights. So the mm-hmm. whole pool area outside of the main office <clears throat> that he walks out to gets lit up with these, like, bright neon multicolored, tr- like, palm trees. Yeah. And uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart <laughs> starts playing <laughs> on the speakers. Yeah, and it's this really cool, like, establishing shot. And then they do this push-in as we see, like, her sprinting behind him to try to get the drop on him. And, yeah, he just turns around and nails her with a golf club. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn. Like, I, you got It's, like, applause-worthy. Like, it's just so perfect. Right? <laughs> It's it's a real come comeback moment for him where he's like, okay, yeah. I couldn't kill someone before. Now I got to, or else I'm gonna die. Because again, these they're just people in masks. Like fuck them up. Like they <laughs> just yeah. kill them. You know, like because he hits her and then he's kind of like shocked by what he did. And then she comes to a couple seconds later. He took her knife and he just stabs her a bunch of times yeah. in the chest. <laughs> and the man in the mask noticed that. Yeah, man, he was sitting there like, "Oh shit!" He realized we can just—they can just kill us. They—they they can, they can fight back. Uh, I gotta take him out. Right, right. And, and so mean, they have this really cool fight in the pool. It's really good. Like, they, where, like the music goes in and out depending on if the um, camera's in the water with them or not. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's really cool to watch people fight underwater, especially, like, with clothes on. Because, like, everything is moving slower, you're a lot more sluggish, your shit's getting in the way, especially if you're trying to stab somebody. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they drop the knife in the water, you know, but they're both going for it. He's wearing a fucking burlap sack. He can't see fucking anything. He can't see shit. Like, there he is no breathe. way that he can see. Yeah, he's he's just waterboarding himself. Like, just, <laughs> fuck, I can't breathe. Um, but, I mean, it's somehow, I mean, at least that's enough for Luke to, like, kind of get away. But the man in the mask grabs the knife, catches up to him, and just stabs him. Stabs in the him back. in the back to bleed out in a pool. And it's such a beautiful shot, too. Like mm-hmm. the whole scene is like gorgeous. Uh and yeah, like total eclipse of the hearts playing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the man in the mask is content to let him bleed out and is like, I gotta go find this last one so I could have my fucking fun with her too. Right, uh, right. But Kinsey finds Luke and uh, brings him out of the pool so he won't bleed out in there. And she's like, I'm going to go get help. Right. I don't know how, but I'm gonna. It was really cool that they did it in like a one take. So like him getting stabbed and him bleeding out and then her rescuing him. It kind of shows it like in real time. Yeah. So that it's not a complete implausibility that Luke like might get saved. Like she's like, I can go get help. So there's still a chance because, you know, it was it was immediate. Like, she didn't find him later. He, you know, she got him, like, out of the water. So it was like he wasn't going to be bleeding out just as freely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, now she's got to find help on her own. And she's still wounded and knows that the strangers could be hiding anywhere, despite the fact that one of them is now dead. But mm-hmm. it looks like Luke was able to cu- get his call out to the police before they cut the line because a cop shows up. Yeah, and uh, finds Kinsey in the road seeing that she's bleeding and being like oh god uh how how can i help and before (laughs) she can do anything um dollface walks up behind him and slits his throat so it bleeds on kinsey yeah man and like she you know it's a very cool like scream to scene because she like crawls into the car uh but dollface um, has the key yeah but she's got the key because like she's trying to pull the shotgun out of out from inside but still, Dollface mm-hmm. is able to climb in and is cutting her up again. And she's able to get the shotgun out and just blast her ass blast out onto her. the curb. And yeah, like you were saying before, we get that variation on, like, when the strangers do talk, it's bone-chilling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, like, Kinsey's shot her in the gut. This She's pinup is gonna die. Uh, yeah, she's, Dollface, like, blasted her they take mask the off. mask off. Dollface, yeah. Fuck. They're they just look the same. <laughs> they look very similar. Their names um, are like the same thing. <laughs> and so Kinsey asks, why are you doing this? And in the previous movie, it was because you were because home. Because you were home. This time, it's, why not? And, I mean, which is worse? <laughs> Both. Both is worse. <laughs> yeah, like, they were literally just the, like, the dessert of, like, their little excursion to kill a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and know, Kinsey, was... not liking this response, yeah. not good uh, enough. Blast <laughs> Dollface in the face with it the shotgun. Sick, yeah. <laughs> it's sick, man. So now it's just down to her and Man in the Mask, and uh, his style um, is to suicide crash the truck into yeah. into places. And like, man, I don't know if it's a Ford or what, but that shit was built different. Because like it is <laughs> built just Ford tough. It's it, yeah, man. Because it's smashed into many things. Uh, and it's just fine. <laughs> it's just still running. Um, well, yeah, and the <laughs> only reason after he rams it into the police car, the only reason he can't just drive it back and do it again is because they get, like, entangled with their metal. Yeah, like, his grill got, like, stuck on the, the bumper or something. 
mm-hmm. but he's hit it so severely that he's caused like a gas leak. So Kinsey is thrown from the car, and you know she's like, "Well, I have a lighter because I pretend to smoke." And the man yeah. in the mask, with probably the best poker face in the world, realizes that he's <laughs> fucked, and she drops the lighter under the gas pile. Um, and bro, there's a giant explosion. Oh my god! <laughs> and the car is actively on fire. Well, and don't you love so like it's a it's a perfect like Carrie moment like the, from the not the Carrie Chris, Christine Christine um, yeah from yeah with the car on fire. And it's playing um, uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at All in, like, a creepy, distorted, like, radio. Like, it's <laughs> As, like, as the radio's probably burning up. Yeah, I'm like, I can't believe that the car is drivable, let alone that the radio is still working. <laughs> and that he's still driving it. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, he it, actively on fire is yeah, driving the car his is car on slowly fire. behind Kinsey. <laughs> well, and she starts to, like slow to a crawl and the car Mm -hmm. is like slowing down as she's like crossing that bridge but i feel like it's great because he might want to run her down but like just as she's losing her strength that car car. that's on fire (laughs) is also being like bro we can't we can't we gotta stop fuck it i'll do it myself and he grabs the ass the axe and tries to follow her um but my man is not doing so having just been on fire falls to the ground (laughs) Because as like, the music, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. And as the music dies, it's so it seems. Does he? So it's like when the playlist is not bopping, that's the only way to beat them. Mm-hmm. You got to bring down their mellow, man. Yeah, but you got to harsh their vibe, and then they'll <laughs> they'll give up. <laughs> and so Kinsey uh, does manage to flag down a passing truck and jumps in the backs yeah. in like the bed of the truck. Luckily when for her, see... another baseball family, too. You know, like, yes. Luke played baseball, because they were talking about how he was, like, he wouldn't let her play when she was a kid. And, like, yeah, yeah we got another baseball family to, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre her and, you know, pick her up at the last second. And then the man in the mask is still there to freak yeah, everybody out. He's, he's, and you the music's see playing the... in his head. Bro, the mask has, like, melded into his face. Kind of like how I think uh, Scarecrow looked in Arkham Knight because of his interaction with Killer Croc in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, It's it's gnarly. She, I mean, it's really gnarly, too, because, like, she nails him in the head with this baseball bat from the back. Mm -hmm. And, like, you hear the, like, crunch of his skull yeah. breaking. Because then we see a, a prolonged shot on the road of his eye open while he's just laying there, so it's like, yeah, he he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so she, she makes him, and we're... It, the, the family has more or less come out alive, for better or worse. You know, Kinsey got Luke picked up from with medical care... Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's got even more trauma to deal with now. Uh, you know, she's yeah. sitting with him and in the end of the movie, sitting in his his uh, hospital room. Um, and I feel like knocks on the door, as we see. Um, probably mm-hmm. the words hello, as well as several 80s pop hits are now going to be very big triggers for her. She also can't be friends with anyone named Tamra. No, I, right. So, but, but the movie kind of ends there where it's like she hears a knock on the door and she kind of freaks out and that's it. Mm-hmm. 
But there is an alternate ending that I kind of prefer that has yes. a very strong insinuation that the strangers or other capital S strangers are still alive, or at the very mm-hmm. least that if it is an organization that um, they've been marked, that, like, you know, you're not going to escape because, you know, she, that knock on the door, she, you know, goes to answer and she ends up dreaming. And, uh, you know, she, in her waking moments, sees the door open a crack and then down the hall the lights are going out and there is the creepy smiley face drawn on the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. So you could pick your poison if the strangers you want to be dead or if the strangers are going to be alive. Because we do have some news about this as a franchise for the future. Mm -hmm. They are going forward with more sequels to The Strangers. Because I think, despite the critical... Uh, analysis, the overwhelming fan response being positive for this movie. Like, there are mm-hmm. so many people that I know that love this movie, so they they greenlit some more sequels, and like they well, greenlit at least two well, or three of them. It did well financially, because, again, because horror knows what it, where it's at, unlike yeah. a lot of other studios these days, it was made for a fairly cheap budget. It was made for only $5 million dollars. And in the box wow. office, it managed to make $32 million during its yeah. box office run. Because, again, horror knows how to make the most out of a buck and still make it good. Right, right. And, I mean, there's also none of these expectations because this genre is built on sequels. Mm-hmm. And instead of them screwing the pooch like big studios are doing, horror knows what you do for sequels is something like this, where it takes aspects of the first movie, you know, it, it, it expands upon the stuff that you liked. So more kills, mm-hmm. more stuff with the strangers. And it, it, it's, it adds that extra flair to make it different from the first movie. So instead of it being a very, uh, slow burn, creepy home invasion movie, which works and is still very scary. This mm-hmm. movie is able to tell a very intense, considering scary slasher movie, um, with things that make it very unique, but also accessible to people that have maybe seen something like, uh, you know, 47 Meters Down or Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or The Strangers, and to still appreciate for what it is on its own. Yeah. So, like, the critical response is not positive, but what would be your assessment for maybe why that would be? So, I know that a lot of... Um critics thought that it took too many of like the slasher genre tropes um, and didn't uh, like that it was so different from what the original Strangers did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they claimed it has a thin story, which I also disagree with, because I think there's a lot of character work in this, yeah. especially given to the Strangers themselves this time exactly. around. I feel like it's um, almost because of the story not having a lot of details, it was able to feel more grounded, as if we were yeah. seeing this as a snapshot of someone's real life and having this in just ram itself in a proverbial Ford pickup truck way into their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and like this movie to me feels like going on a roller coaster ride because like it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of time to like establish the characters, which is the climb at the beginning. But as soon as you start 
on the like first drop of this roller coaster ride, it doesn't stop until the end yeah. of the movie. And it's a short movie. It's a little under an hour and a half. Uh-huh. So it doesn't yeah. have to hold you for too long. And so while it holds you, it's able to do so much with everything it does. Everything is there it's... for a reason. There's a lot of really cool images that um, one review that was supportive of it, quite frankly, said that would make John Carpenter proud. And I'm like, that is what they were going for. I feel like this is very much a modern John Carpenter movie because the music plays such an integral part to the movie, not Mm -hmm. just the the songs they add, but like the actual score of this movie is very good and very John Carpenter-y. It's one of the things I love listening to when I write. It's very creeping it's got that synthy quality and it's it it kind of also is um reminiscent of uh the disaster piece score for it follows which is one of my favorite horror scores i love it so much because it's able to tell such an emotional part of the story through Mm -hmm. very simple music um it can be very scary or it can be very kind of uh character informed and this yeah. movie does a lot of the same thing. So I feel like in cinematography, in the way that, sh- um, you know, the strangers were shot half the time, they're just kind of materializing out of the darkness. Uh, and mm. that music piece and the characters, too. I mean, think about Halloween. Like, is the story really that thick in Halloween? No, it's being yeah. filled with a lot of characters. So, it, you know, you're able to see more about well, the way they react is informed by who they are, and it's informed by how they would respond. And that's what Mm -hmm. makes a good slasher movie, really. Like, that's the DNA for it. And this is just a perfect modern slasher movie. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's one of the quintessential ones I I point to. Like, when I just even say, like, even favorite horror movies, favorite slashers, I'm like, hey, Pray at Night is up there. It's just such a good Mm -hmm. movie. And... I mean, streaming services seem to know it more often than not. I find it on Netflix, so it's pretty accessible. Currently, it's on Hulu with Stars subscriptions, but, you know, that changes every month. Um, Yeah. It's such a good movie. Uh, I could not (laughs) recommend it enough. It's very accessible, too. And the fact that it is also on the shorter spectrum of things makes it a really easy sell for me because it doesn't take a whole lot of time out of your day, but I no. guarantee you, you will be thinking about it for longer than the hour and a half you spend watching it. Yeah, I mean, I did. It was uh, I went to go see it in theaters, and I was in an empty theater, uh, and even by the end of the cold open, I was like, damn, I'm a little scared. This is kind of mm-hmm. scary, man, all by myself. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that doesn't tend to happen a lot for me, especially nowadays. So for this to be so unexpected, especially given the fact that it's a sequel, I don't know. So there's something very special about that. And again, given the cast and and the, the director and again, I can't talk. The music is so good. It's just like such a (laughs) interesting thing to do. Like, I mean, I I want it so much more in other movies now because of how successful it was done with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I it's really cool that this was one of our last movies to cover before 100 because I feel that you know it's kind of the spirit of everything we set out to do with this show. You know, it's a very accessible, simple movie that has a lot going for it, and it doesn't take yeah. much to appreciate it. Well, and this movie, I don't know if you know that, if you necessarily remember this or not, 
But uh, this movie, I also feel like, is a very special movie to me about our friendship. Because I, I remember yeah. very early on this being one of the first horror movies you and mm-hmm. I watched together in college. Very much so, yes, yeah. And, oh, it was how we bonded over our love, our mutual love of horror movies that led us into this journey that became Square Horror. Yeah, this feels yeah. so fitting going into episode one hundred next time. Like it, Hell yeah. yeah, it's so nice. Well, that's why I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna gush a little bit, but like that's why I was so excited when Damien started following us too, because it was such mm-hmm. like a, like, I don't know, it was like okay, so the guy who's the killer in one of our collective favorite horror movies. Yeah, knows we exist, <laughs> and like <laughs> I don't know, like at the very least, like we talked good about him. Like we all, he's great. Like I love him, and we're big fans. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like on a micro level, like that's why we like all this type of stuff is because it's made by people that we respect most of the time, and yeah, you know, for them to appreciate that we appreciate it is what we're doing because. This all of this is about positivity and about appreciation because we have such a high regard and appreciation for this genre and mm-hmm. a genre that very frequently does not get looked at in a positive light, especially by its own fans. So yes. like that's really what we want to do in general, and I feel like this is just a really good flagship movie to really just put a button on square horror. Like, if you really want to know us, just watch this movie. (laughs) This is like, this is what we're going for. (laughs) Yeah. This is our model. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, speaking of that, you know, we got episode 100 coming up very, very soon, guys. Yes. We're very, we cannot express how excited we are for it. But Mm -hmm. since we're now a week out from it, at least it will be next episode, Yes. We can finally talk a little bit about what it is. You know, we usually give the like coming attractions for what's next, but we're doing mm. something very different this time. Yes, instead of us covering a movie or doing a game or some or covering a TV show or something, we are doing um, how I'm going to call it our first um, podcast audio drama. Yes, of a, an audio um, drama is a good term for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fun way of saying telling a story without saying we're telling a story. Yeah, we're um, gonna read you a story, but we're gonna like perform it also. Yes, because because I can't <laughs> not as an actor. I've got to do some bullshit with it. Right, and we we've got along. all these friends that like got a degree in it, and we want to yeah. put it to use somehow. <laughs> so we brought along uh, one of our. F- uh, dear friends from college who's joining us as this is a three-person audio drama yes um and it is based on uh or it is the story of a creepypasta yes um, everyone knows creepypastas out there you guys remember 2012 were you guys on yeah. there back then <laughs> yeah were you reading creepy stories back then we I were. was i was <laughs> creepypasta trash man i a lot of these <laughs> stories i feel like that we might do one day i'm just like Ha, oh, it takes me back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this one and, is by a very particular favorite author of mine called, uh, his name's Vincent Vanacava, and this is his story, The Pastel Man. So we'll be mm-hmm. performing it for you a la a radio play. Um, Danny and myself and, and our friend Bobby Haley, um, 
we we've been working very hard on it the two of them mm-hmm. mostly because uh i got the matt berry roles where when i was this <laughs> place in college it was like matt's gonna be part of it but he'll have like a little bit to say and i'm like i don't want anything to change i really like that niche <laughs> role for me because i can really give i can give a line well if the character's an asshole so that's yeah. what i'm gonna be doing man so but i'm very excited to hear you because um you got some surprises up your sleeve. Yes, I do. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's man. turning out really well, and it was how I was hoping it would turn out. Yeah, so we got that on the way. Um, please let us know your feelings about it. We would love to do more stuff like that in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, especially when it comes to horror, there's a good um, Venn diagram with creepypasta and internet horror stories, or just yes. you know written fiction, because you know it doesn't have to just be creepypastas. We do look at other you know short horror mm-hmm. stories and whatnot. We were when we were thinking about what we were gonna do, and we'd love to do more of those. So you know we've, we're open to ideas, of course, as always. Yes, um, we are and, always uh, open to suggestions. And where the, can those suggestions be found, you might ask? You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can send us to a, a you can send them to us by email at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. And please do us a favor and remember to follow us on Spotify. Um, yes. I think that helps us somehow, I don't know how. Helps our numbers something or other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember the last time we talked about specs, you know, we found out we have some international listeners, too, which still just, man, I can't believe that. That's pretty that's cool. That's still bonkers to me, man. I can't believe it, man. Like, how did they find us? Like, that's so wild. Truly no clue. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're still listening. We very much appreciate it. Um, yes. And yeah, man, I, I'm... I just I'm so proud that we made it to 100, man. It feels like we I'm started so yesterday, excited. and uh, right? you know it's been several years now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, here's to fucking 100 more at least. Here's to it. All right, y'all. Do you have any um, advice this time? Uh, finish your Chinese food. I feel like it would blow <laughs> your cover to know, because um, I don't know if this might be the type of place that puts your name on the receipt. Uh, and that's just mm. evidence you don't want to have. Also, um, if you would like the link to the songs the strangers could kill me to playlist, I might put it on the Instagram if I can figure out how. Uh, it's a really fun workout playlist for me. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, you all stay spooky out there. Peace out.